Tell me what's going on. I'm here to finish your training. It's a little late for that. One is never too old to learn, Snips. All right. What's the lesson, Master? Garçon, coffee! Welcome to the Coffee and Death Sticks podcast. My name is Kevin Romani. And I am Danny Marchand. Danny and I are indeed, as predicted, we thought we would check in at about the halfway point for Ahsoka. There was a lot of buzz surrounding episode five in particular. That buzz was not coming from Danny and me. That's for sure. I think, I think that's a minor spoiler to what we're going to be talking about in this episode. But we've already recapped episodes one and two. We're going to focus on three, four, and five, though the emphasis, I think, will be on four and five. And at the time of this recording, Danny and I have not yet seen the sixth episode, but we will come back and do one final episode after six, seven, and eight air. Danny, where are you with this show right now after watching three more episodes? Uh, the show isn't for me. And if I didn't do a podcast, I, I should stop. <laughs> I'd stop watching it. <laughs> it's funny. I just listened to our first episode, listened back to it. And you said basically the same thing you said. I only initially watched this because of the podcast that we do together, but like I've enjoyed it so far, mm -hmm. but now we're full on. You would have jumped shit. Yes. Episode five is the exact moment where I would have stopped watching, not out of anger, not out of hatred, just out of a, a rational acceptance that the program is not for me. I'm not the audience. So why watch a thing that you're not meant to enjoy? You know, just mm -hmm. bail out, just leave. The morbid curiosity that drove us both watching through the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi isn't there. It's not like, oh, this is so bad. I have to keep watching. It's not bad. It's, it's fine. It's just, I don't like the prequels. I didn't grow up with the Clone Wars. I don't know how many different <laughs> ways I can say that. I know. It's just, this isn't for me. I just... It's not for me, and it's kind of boring. <laughs> the it is, it is boring. The show is extremely, yeah. I, I don't. It's just. It's very boring. It's very dull and stiff and and stayed. Stayed is the word I keep thinking of. Mm. Just stayed. Stayed and stern, and that's not really for me. So you're still taking your ambience. I'm still taking my somethings. Right and along with Rosario and, and crew, you're still taking those ambience. Yep. Yep. I'm well, folding my arms for this is, this is a visual. This is a visual <laughs> medium. God bless her, but she's got to move and she uses that move. Which, to be fair, I was watching clips of the Clone Wars as an investigation. Ahsoka folds her arms a lot on the cartoon. So it's a note, it's a deliberate choice. It's not just lazy. I don't know what to do with my... It's not Jack Donaghy holding two coffee mugs because he doesn't know what to do with his hands. It's weird. What do I do with my arms? I've never thought about that before. Is it this? Or, if I may, this. Maybe I should just hold something. Okay, yeah, this feels more natural. Is that right? Yeah. It's Ahsoka has her arms crossed a lot on the cartoon, so there is that. 
So the little bit of investigation I've done into what other people think about this show so far is approval for the depiction of Ahsoka, which I find confusing because as you and I identified, she was the spunky, sarcastic, you know, preteen teenager on the Clone Wars show. Like she was perfectly suited for a cartoon within the Star Wars universe. She's now this emotionless, stoic, boring figure, though I will come back to that. Fans of the Clone Wars series are very like, no, that's Ahsoka. They have given me some good things to think about where they say things like you just noticed. So the mannerisms and how Rosario is portraying Ahsoka is actually more in line with the character than I think you and I are remembering. Yes. I think we're focusing on and this is what I, I would say. This is the fundamental difference between us and the prequel fans is that we focus more on character and emotion and they focus more on the details. Mm-hmm. So they applaud the constant arm folding. Whereas you and I are like, this is boring and we want something mm-hmm. a little with a little bit more life. So it's kind of a mixed bag of, I think she's trying to do like we talked about in the last episode, she's trying to be the adult version of this character So she's trying to mimic the little bit she has to go off off of this animation, but also add to it and evolve it. And it's not her. I don't think it's her fault. I think it's just how the character is depicted. However, what I said I wanted to come back to, because I always forget to do this, is she started to have some life Mm -hmm. in the last couple episodes. Mm -hmm. Five is is an odd one that we're going to discuss. It certainly didn't bother me as much as it did you but I also don't care about it. I think it's the same takeaway, but Ahsoka did have a little bit of life, especially when the, the whale sequence happened, when she goes and talks to the whales, I was thinking of Star Trek for the voyage home the entire time that was all happening. Spock, as suspected, the probes transmissions are the songs sung by whales. Whales? Specifically, humpback whales. That's crazy. Who would send a probe hundreds of light years to talk to a whale? It's possible. Whales have been on Earth far earlier than man. Ten million years earlier, and humpbacks were heavily hunted by man. They've been extinct since the 21st century. It is possible that an alien intelligence sent the probe to determine why they lost contact. My God. That reminded me of a, like, childlike character in awe of the nature around them and the magic of the world and the force and all of that. And she seemed to be having fun. Both Rosario and the character seemed to be having a lot of fun. And that made me think of, like I was saying her earlier performances in like two thousands comedies and stuff like that. And that was really nice to see. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens in the future episodes, but more of that would be welcome. And unfortunately, like you said, it there maintains this level of, Slow pacing, with the exception of episode four that I also want to mm-hmm. focus on the most. That was my favorite of the batch of three that we are reviewing mm-hmm. right now. I think I said this in our last episode. I sort of not like criticized Rosario Dawson as an actor, but I just was like, you know, she's not like this incredible towering acting colossus. And that was a little unfair watching these three episodes. There's not that much to latch on to here in like the material. She's basically there to help 
Sometimes I, I'm ashamed even of myself. Oh, no. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead. She is there to help Dave Filoni jack himself off. And that's... Oh, that that's, wasn't that bad. I, th- no I thought you were going to go way worse than that. No, All right. <laughs> that's no fun. She's basically helping someone else do that. And that's no fun. You know, what are you supposed to do in that situation? So she's bringing what she can I, to the table. I, I could answer that question if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's just the whole, I don't know whose idea this was, but I don't even think it's slow pacing. I mean, yes, it is very deliberately paced, but I don't necessarily mind that. I don't like when shows like this pack every episode with something crazy and insane and some twist for everyone to talk about the next day on the internet. I appreciate that they want to build to things. I just think it's boring. Like, I just think the tone they've chosen is too earnest. It's too po-faced for Star Wars. I want the droid is the only one having any fun and Titus Polo. They're the only two that are like enjoying themselves. And if that goes back to the thing with the prequels, they didn't seem to be having fun because physically had a hard time acting because they were surrounded by blue screens and green screens and the sets were not there. And yes, there were tons of practical models that are in those movies, but the actors didn't see those. The actors just saw a dirt floor or a red carpet, a chair. And it's hard to, yes, actors have to use their imagination, but it gets to a point where it feels so clinical and sterile. And there are scenes in this show that you can tell that they filmed it on that magical thing they have, that magical... It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah and it's, it looks great, but you can tell that they didn't build anything. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing there. I am not invested enough in the character of Ahsoka or the characters of Rebels to look past all that and yeah. be swept away by the emotion of everything. I just see it as a pretty slow, pretty boring show that just kind of hasn't grabbed me yet. And if we didn't do this, I would have stopped after the last episode. Not mm-hmm. Again, not because it's like, oh, fuck this. It's just, okay, not for me. I'm going to watch something else now. Yeah, slow pacing may not have been the right way to describe this. I think it might be the tone, as you said, mm-hmm. which is surprising because Filoni, that's one of the great things that he brought to the table with the Clone Wars and Rebels series. It's not that they were not serious. They were both, you know, set during the Star Wars, but they both had an element of fun. And they both, you know, we we always applaud how well they characterize Anakin in the Clone Wars, and that's how he should have been portrayed in the movies. So it's weird that he, now that he has this live action toy box to play with, that he has made the tone so dour and so serious and earnest like you said and yeah the ahsoka show with the rebels characters should be more fun than this and it's Mm -hmm. not and i don't know if it's because they're now plugged into this era within the star wars timeline but it's like it's no less it's more optimistic than it was between episodes three and four so i'm not quite sure what happened here and i think of even like mandalorian and book of boba fett those two shows are pretty fun especially Mm -hmm. mandalorian like obviously they are overly you know they're dramas at the end of the day and and action adventure things but they have fun and Mm -hmm. this one just isn't seemingly doing that now the third episode did start to do that a little bit where I liked some set pieces. I I will say this show has brought a lot of new things to the table, which is not what I was expecting. It's not just rehashing everything you've seen before. Like in the third episode, their space battle, 
and Ahsoka puts on an astronaut uniform and jumps out and she's fighting with a lightsaber in space. And I thought, that's cool. I haven't seen that in Star Wars before. Like we've seen things like this in other franchises. I'm thinking of like First Contact has a scene kind of like that. Oh yeah. Um, that was good. That was a creative, inventive way to have a set piece that I felt like Ahsoka was kind of having fun too. She was kind of like, aren't I a badass? And when she got back into the ship, she had a little bit of that going on. And, and I, I thought that was a step in the right direction. Yes. Yeah. It would have been cool if she said something like assimilate this, like Worf does in first contact. Yeah. Close up. Assimilate this. It is the most fun she had, I think, in the whole show so far. Well, because it, it felt like a it felt like a Clone War set piece. It felt like a set piece from the cartoon show. Very much so. Ahsoka and Anakin, their ship is disabled but they have to defend themselves somehow. So they go on the wing. Snips, I've got an idea. Master, that's suicidal. Uh, don't worry about it, Snips. And Obi-Wan is on the communication. He's like, oh, that's such a bad idea, you two. And it's just fun cartoon shit. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know. So it's, let's, it, get, let's get to the root of, I think, what we're... Um, I like the show. Episode mm -hmm. five was not the show. I do not have any hatred or animus towards episode five, but it encapsulates my, and I think our feelings again, prequels aren't for us. They're not our era. Yeah. Anakin's not our character. So having the fifth episode, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it yet was big enough that they release it in theaters, which is just a trick to get prequel fans to go to the theaters. It's fine. Cause it doesn't look any better or worse than any of the other episodes or have anything really even happen. It's nope. basically a filler episode. That was an excuse to get Hayden Christensen back. Mm -hmm. And the only parts I outright disliked about it were it was a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo. And I'm like, what are we empty platitudes where what are we even what are we talking about? Why is there this flashback with Anakin? Why is he good and then evil? And what's the point of all of this? This is the yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> Danny was just dangling a set of keys in front of me. And uh, I, <laughs> that's exactly asking, what it was. You were asking way too many questions. I know. I know. Twitter has been fun during all of this where, <laughs> you know, you someone X. posts. I'm sorry, X now, Jesus. But the moment where Anakin and Ahsoka, for some reason, in this purgatory, whatever the hell, this earthly plane that they're on, are having a lightsaber duel for reasons to you know dangle your keys in front of me and there's a moment where anakin charges and it's like smoky and it flashes for a second and it's darth vader and tweet or whatever an x said something like there have been a lot of great moments in star wars but this might be the best moment this might be the best shot and someone had retweeted it and said, you know, the problem with all of this is like, it's great that this person is very happy. Like, I'm genuinely happy that they're happy and that that moment meant something. But the hyperbolic statements like that are what make people like us just roll our eyes and go, oh, my God. And then that's why this movie space franchise has become the most divisive thing since the presidential election. I don't know why. It's not even that it's it's just embarrassing like yeah <laughs> but not in like a disgraceful oh my god we are so far away from the root and core of any meaning it ever had that it doesn't matter if it makes you happy great if it doesn't make you happy also great 
-hmm. just don't get riled up about it. (laughs) That kind of feels right. You know, and that's something you and I struggle with, of course, is Mm -hmm. the madness it induces in us. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, trying to grapple with the fact that we don't have to watch every Star War. We can just choose not to. But then then something comes along and it looked like you and I talked about this. The Ahsoka trailer drops. We both thought that it looked pretty good. It looked interesting. It looked fun. It, it looked it visually looked great. We said the same thing many moons ago when the Rise of Skywalker trailer dropped. We both texted each other. We were both just said, I love Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars! I fucking love Star Wars! I keep calling it sloth because, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just, if you put it in the trough, we will eat it. And it seems that for so many, for a certain type of fan, all they want is to just be told that the fact that they like Star Wars is cool. Like, yes, you should invest this much time in Star Wars. And that's why they see a shot like that. That's a I literally cannot picture the shot you're talking about. That's how memorable <laughs> I found it. Uh, they see that and they say, this is the greatest shot in Star Wars. When that's your favorite phrase of mine, that's objectively wrong. <laughs> right, right. I, I, can and- think of, I can think of shots from the original three. I can think of shots. I can think of shots from the prequels. Like there are shots in the prequels sure. that, stand in, that stand in my, in my brain. Yeah, uh, Anakin looking at the sun setting on Mustafar. Yeah, it's a bunch of CGI goo, but visually, it's a great visual representation of the fact that our heroes in hell now, both physically and emotionally. There are shots in the sequels that I think are great. Oh, uh, there are a ton of shots in the sequels that are gorgeous. That that's yeah, yeah, undeniable. Last Jedi in particular has sure. some just gorgeous Rogue One visually. Mm-hmm. I mean, a movie so good looking that. When it came time to make Star Wars television shows, the powers that be edict apparently was just make it look like Rogue One. (laughs) Make everything look like Rogue One. Mm -hmm. Make it as visually rich. Make everything look like cool concept art. Episode four in particular, the forest planet with the red leaves and mist rippling through the leaves and seas and stone structures. I thought this looks really cool. (laughs) And I can picture a concept art version of this if they did credits the way that Boba Fett and Mandalorian do where they show you the concept art at the end. I bet the concept art of this world was really impressive and a benefit of them making Star Wars in this day and age is an artist can imagine the wildest most otherworldly thing and they can do it. You look at Ralph McQuarrie's concept paintings and it's there but the movie isn't quite what he drew. It is different Mm -hmm. because they made them in the 70s and they made them in the 80s and there was limitations. The prequels, the prequel concept art is gorgeous. It's mostly there, but something is also lost a little bit in translation because of the limitations of the digital technology that they're using to get everything. Now there are no limitations. You think it, you can do it. You want it to look a certain way, it's going to look a certain way. If you way. will it, dude, then there is no dream. <laughs> it's no dream, exactly. <laughs> if you will it, it is no dream. Fucking 20 minutes late, man. What the fuck is that? Theodore Herzl. Huh? State of Israel. If you will it, dude, it is no dream. What the fuck you talking about, man? The carrier. What's in the fucking carrier? And that's great, obviously. It must be so cool to be a concept artist, to be a designer, and see your dreams translated into reality. 
However, if the script is boring, <laughs> then ultimately it doesn't matter. Film is a visual medium, but it also is film and television are narrative driven. That's just the way they're yeah. not making experimental films. It's a Star Wars. It, like it's George just, Lucas? It's not a small experimental film. It's a Star Wars movie. It's a Star right. Wars show. It needs to kind of have more oomph and heft than this show currently has. We haven't seen episode six. There's two more episodes after that. We haven't even met the arch villain, arguably. I so wonder who, now if that's a just a cameo, essentially. Yeah. If it's like a Luke Skywalker at the end of Force Awakens thing, and then he... I think at the time we recorded the first episode, I was completely forgetting about the whole reveal that this is all building towards a, a motion picture. I don't know if yeah. you remember they used to make motion pictures out of this franchise. And I don't know if you've speaking of Twitter, there's another, there's a great account that just logs every star Wars project that has been announced and that is canceled. And Taika Waititi's star Wars film is the newest victim that that is now officially dead. Uh, no is surprise. Oh, uh, like it just broke like yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so keep, keep the, I exactly right. So keep yourself updated on all of the <laughs> failed projects. He pissed off the nerds. He, he pissed that's... them off. <laughs> well, he kind of was acting like an asshole, though, too. Like he was. About, about his visual effects people, speaking of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But that's not why they got mad, though. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they got mad because he didn't treat he didn't treat Thor with the proper respect, which, you know. It's funny you say earlier, like it's okay to not watch a Star Wars thing and said that, well, that's not true for me, at least. I, I, I think it's the one world I'll never be able to just not watch everything. Mm -hmm. But Marvel, speaking of, I, I thought a lot about that. It's like, yeah, that's something that you and I are like casual fans of. And how yeah. many series have we now missed? We're like five, six, seven. Like Invasion hasn't even, I haven't even sniffed that. That is not even on my watch list. It's not it might not happen or secret invasion whatever the fuck it's called i don't even know what it's called it's so secret we didn't watch it. <laughs> nice yeah so it's fun that's i bet a lot of people normal people are starting to get that way with this stuff where it's like yes you know sure when mandalorian came out it's like launching disney plus and the first live action star wars show and john favreau and all of this stuff and a great show to boot but now that we're getting into this and we talked a lot about in the first episode where this series is so reliant on your knowledge of Rebels that if you didn't see Rebels, then forget it. And if you haven't seen The Clone Wars, also a disadvantage. And those first two episodes just talk so much about characters that aren't named Ahsoka. And three and four, I really liked three and four. Mm -hmm. Four is one of my, I would argue, of let's just keep it within these Disney Plus shows. Maybe a top five episode across all of the shows you stole my take because i'm i was the only one to think of this danny so how dare you say it before i did but i was so obsessed with that set the minute they landed i said that's classic star wars let's bring back our catholic school days and ccd the gospel doesn't that mean blending the old and the new or the good news or some shit i remember there's yes. something about the old and the new and that was jesus's whole thing yes. so that Episode four was my blending the old and the new for Star Wars because the setting 
looked classic Star Wars. It, it reminded me a lot of the Force Awakens set at the end where, you know, Kylo and Rey and Finn fight and Endor and Mustafar and like all these locations kind of mixed together. Mm-hmm. That's what that looked like. It, you know, reminded me of Game of Thrones too. It looked very much like it belonged in Westeros. Something but, that you can conceivably, that could exist, but it's just a tiny bit heightened so that if you live in a forest by the sea as a kid, you can play that scene from Star Wars. That's like yeah. the beauty of Star Wars. Look, if it's snowing out, you're on Hoth. If you're at the beach and you can't see the ocean, you're in Tatooine. Yeah. For the kid's imagination, it's perfect. Yeah. Exactly. It's, like, it's still a forest. It's a little otherworldly, but it's still a forest. Right. It's, it's a good fantasy setting in general. Forests yes. are always a good setting for that. And Forests are so cool. <laughs> they are. And the colors worked well for the lightsabers and all of that. Yes. It, it was all well. To, and three and four felt like it was starting to focus the narrative on just a couple characters. There was less talk about where's Ezra and Thrawn and all of that. And we're learning a little bit more about these three villains and I think we talked a lot about Balin. Balin's skull. Yes. Did you see his fan theory, by the way? Quick sidebar. No. Now, there's a fan theory. The timeline doesn't quite add up, though. My, it's my two Wars. favorite words, fan and theory. Uh, this one, I mean, it. hey, I have seen far worse. <laughs> and it just said something like, hey, hear me out. And it was a picture of the... The youngling, Master Skywalker, what are we to do? And then cut to that Ray Stevenson's awesome. face. Made me that laugh. Awesome. And when he's like, we all know, knew him, it's like, if his motivation was he was the one who like escaped that absolute <laughs> Made me laugh, but he's too young. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so, but that character, we're learning a little bit more about him. He is essentially what you drew him up to be after our first episode of like, he's kind of like an ends justify the means guy. He just wants power. He wants to go with the person who's going to give it to him. And he doesn't really hate anybody. He doesn't really want to kill anybody, but that's what his ultimate goal is. So we're kind of getting what they're trying to do. And then we're also getting some characterization and some good moments with Sabine and Ahsoka. The whole them being Master Apprentice thing, I still don't know how I feel about the decision, but at least it was better implemented in episode three. And having David Tennant's droid character comment on them, I thought was really nice. I actually had, you know, feelings as I was watching it. And then at the start of the fourth episode, we spent enough time with them together on three, working together, rebuilding their relationship. And at the start of episode four, they go out into that forest. And what's David Tennant's droid's name again? Who Yang. Or Hu Yang. Okay. Hu Yang. Ahsoka says it differently than Hera does, and then Sabine do it. They all say it slightly differently, but it's spelled H U A H U Y A N G, I think. Hu Yang. So, so David Tennant, as they're leaving, says, <laughs> Make sure you stay together. You two should always stay together. And it's like, hey, we had a little foreshadowing and a theme and a storyline and the episode ends with them not being they separate like immediately like he says that and they pretty much immediately separate and the episode doesn't end well for essentially either character neither of them die or anything but it felt normal there was a like a structure (laughs) to the episode you only focused on these five six characters whatever it was well choreographed fight sequences that weren't over choreographed but like looked good were entertaining but you also had that emotional you wanted the good guys to win 
yeah, I very, very much like the episode. And when going back to me saying the blending the old and the new. So that's all the like familiar Star Wars stuff. But meanwhile, the backdrop is what the villains are trying to accomplish is something new. Mm-hmm. Like I love this whole like a super hyperspace machine to go into another galaxy. That's I think what we've been needing for years for decades for star Wars, yeah. something like that, something just a little different instead of Sith and fascism and, you know, whatever Imperial organization remnants, instead of all that, we have some more fantasy driven sci-fi e threat that's vague and we don't understand it. And we don't know what it's going to be a little bit of mystery. So I really liked those two episodes and then five again, I didn't, I I'm very just, neutral on five because it felt like everything came to a grinding halt yes anytime star wars moves away from science fiction and closer to space fantasy it gets better the farther it moves away from rules and guidelines the stronger it feels like real star wars and the idea that these are some of the more interesting villains that we've had in the new era of star wars And it's very telling that their plan basically involves leaving this galaxy because of how boring it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I loved that. Yes, Balin isn't a hateful, angry man, but I did like that you got the real sense that he really believes that the Jedi are complete failures and he doesn't understand why Ahsoka has sort of rejoined the remnants of the government that propped them up in the first place. His taunting during their lightsaber fight was great of your legacy is failure. Like you guys completely fucked up. I don't want to hear your bullshit anymore. I'm going to another galaxy to come back with power. That's all the force is. It's just power. <laughs> Say what you will do. At least it's an ethos. And I, I liked Niles. Fuck me. I mean, say what you want about the tenets of National Socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos. He genuinely feels that he's not doing anything bad, necessarily. Like, what he's doing is fine. He doesn't see a problem with it. He just is living in the reality of the galaxy that he spent his whole adult life in. It's all war and power and, and struggle. And the show's biggest weakness for me is I don't understand why Ahsoka cares because the way her character ends in the clone wars i get the sense that she wants to leave i'm not talking about her last episode when the clone wars aired on cartoon network i mean like the official finale Mm -hmm. of the clone wars her burying all the clone troopers that (laughs) she just killed um with rex on that on that planet and it feels like she's leaving like to just leave like I, i don't want to be part of this anymore which is, I kind of didn't like that she came back in Rebels, but then Rebels beautifully kills her off in Twilight of the Apprentice, that fantastic two-parter from season two. And I thought, now that is a great way to end Ahsoka's story. She is not invested. She gets reinvested. And what happens? She meets Anakin. He's a monster now. He kills her. But because she's his apprentice... She comes the closest anyone has to killing him since Obi-Wan. Beautiful ending. Turns out she's alive. She was in a magical world of portals. And she's back. And she just kind of 
sat out the galactic civil war while Luke did everything because it, canonically, again, her whole existence shatters the entire Star Wars universe. It, it really does. But yeah. it doesn't matter because it is literally just, it's just make them up. So who cares? But bringing her back at the end of all this to get back involved it's just frustrating. It's just, what is her, what is her motivation? And, right. Oh, I want to help Sabine. And I like that the last Jedi specifically, the force awakens and the last Jedi did a lot of work to kind of turn the force into something that not anyone can use. It's like the Ratatouille thing. It's not that anyone can cook. It's that a good cook can come from anywhere. And that's like the message wow. of the force in those two movies is, no, it's not that anyone can be a Jedi. It's just that a Jedi does not have to be related to another Jedi. A Jedi does not have to go through all this stupid training and these rituals. Who cares about the midichlorian count? It's about a, it's about a feeling. It's about being connected to the cosmic energy of the galaxy. So I think it's great that Ahsoka is like, Sabine deserves to be trained. However, Sabine literally can't do shit with the Force. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't understand what the end game of this master and apprentice story is. I'm not saying that Sabine shouldn't be a Jedi. I'm not trying to gatekeep the force. I just think she can't even move the mug. So <laughs> what right. I just don't understand what the I don't I'm not what is the hook here? I yeah. don't know why it's so and I don't know why Sabine is so desperate to be a Jedi. Is that something that was in Rebels? I don't remember. I know she has the Darksaber, but that's a Mandalorian thing. That's not a like Din can use the dark saber. He's not a Jedi. As we learned in the first episode, I have forgotten everything that happened in Rebels and Clone Wars <laughs> and all. So I can't. But my memory of the character Sabine, if you ask me to like kind of describe her and her traits, at, at no point did I think she really wanted to be a Jedi. She was no. the Mandalorian character. And that's where she was. Her lineage and her emotional ties were still to that culture. I think this is some sort of weird Ezra's gone and I'm filling his place thing, which is so lame. It, it's got like Wonder Woman 1984 vibes doing that. So yeah, lots to, I really liked a lot of what you just said there. First, a quick sidebar. I think we have mentioned it before, but Twilight of the Apprentice, Apprentice, yeah, Twilight of the is, Apprentice. The, is the season two finale of Rebels. And that was like the thing that bridged I think every quadrant of Star Wars fan, yes, like original trilogy fans loved it. Prequel trilogy fans loved it. Neutral people loved it. People who hate Star Wars watched that episode for some reason and they decided they loved it. So <laughs> it is one of the most magical things ever. Shout out to my brother, David. I want to say we randomly, I would usually just watch it on DVR. And I think he was over and i was like oh the season two finale is tonight and we had like no idea what we were we just thought we were watching like a 30 minute episode of rebels mm -hmm. and it was that episode like darth maul shows up darth vader shows up ahsoka shows up it's like what is happening like it was wild but they were all used really well too it wasn't just yes like the fifth episode of this show yes. where yeah i just don't get the anakin obsession but now Hayden Christensen's Anakin and Ahsoka to me, like never, I can't even fathom it. And now, now I can't, now I can, but it does, it just isn't sitting right with me because again, it's a different character. I think I said this to you off screen. It would have been hilarious 
if Matt Lanter came out and he was in the Anakin outfit, like from the Clone Wars era, he's the voice actor for Anakin, who's also a good live action actor. He would have been a good young Han Solo, actually. That's kind of, he looks, he's got more of like a Harrison Ford vibe. That's the thing. He looks like Han Solo's kid. Hayden Christensen does look like he's the father of Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill. They did. Yes. As far as looks, they did cast him extremely well way back in 2001. Right. Was that, I, I don't know if you're going to try to make a 9-11 connection or something right there. <laughs> How dare you? No, I'm just assuming that he was cast in 2001 because they made... Or 2000 probably even, probably, right? Cause, yeah. Yeah, because I think they shot those like so early. And did hey, you know... Looks terrific. He just he, yeah. has a hard time saying words. So that's the thing. You know, I... I don't want the guy to get shit on endlessly. The problems with those prequels are not him. And he got a huge share of the blame pie back in 2002 and 2005. But no matter what way you want to spin this, he is not a good actor. And it's mostly, he just has a strange like affect. Yeah. He just can't deliver. It'd be like if, if I acted, (laughs) I want to be, an actor. People always point to Shattered Glass, where he plays the reporter. Oh, Steven Glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Made up a bunch of shit. That works because in that movie, the joke is Peter Sarsgaard is losing his mind because he's like, you guys don't realize this guy is completely full of shit. He is the most transparently full of shit person. But everyone believes him because the stories are just so good. And it works because Hayden Christensen has a very strange energy so in a part like that it works and he's and handsome so like a handsome he's, guy he's extremely handsome yeah he's, he he's was, a was man. married to one of the most handsome people ever rachel bielson they were like one of the most attractive couples ever and i don't know who that is right. she's very pretty Tra- she, I believe she's, she was like a cw um oh god what show was she on one of anyway. your CW shows? <laughs> not, not on one of my CW. She was before my CW era, but she was on. I can see her on a poster. We might have to. Okay. When you post this on Instagram, <laughs> the, the picture might have to be a picture of her. Uh, Heart of Dixie? I think it's called Heart of Dixie. You made that up, but I believe you. <laughs> anyway, they were both very pretty yes. together, and now I don't and- think they're together anymore, sadly. Oh, that's too bad. And yeah. it was nice, you know, seeing him cry at Star Wars Celebration, where he yeah. was cheering for him. And he's he's emotional because his 20s were spent getting shit on. <laughs> and now he's there with all the people that grew up with him. And it's emotional. Again, I think that's lovely. Like, I think that's nice. Like, I, I feel good for him as a person. However, that doesn't have anything to do with my programs. Mm. And, like... <laughs> Me watching the movie or the television show, I'm not going to watch it as part of a therapy session for the people in it. I want them to entertain me. I want them to not be human. I want to just watch the show. I just want to just watch the movie. But that's, you know, that's just the way things, that's just the way things are. It's like, you have to like his performance as Anakin because we were so hysterically hyperbolic about how bad he was in the prequels when he really wasn't that bad. And honestly, the dialogue was appalling. So it's not his fault. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. Not like here. 
Here everything is soft and smooth. Okay, fair. Dialogue's a lot better. He's still very wooden. He's a very wooden actor. He's not an electrifying screen presence. People always talk about Keanu Reeves playing mm. that character Revan that everyone likes. Darth Revan from the, the Coach oh, 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 okay. Yep, yep, yep. The thing is, that one makes sense because Revan's like a character. He's like not really like a character in those video games. Like he doesn't, he's an enigma. He's like mysterious. So having Keanu play him works because you got he's like Keanu with his long hair and his beard and his strange aura. He's not a, an amazing actor, but he gets these roles that mesh well with his personality. Correct. And the Correct. character of a cocksure, headstrong, swashbuckling pirate slash sea captain that is Anakin Skywalker does not mesh well with the slightly awkward, so good looking that it's a nerving Canadian man that is Hayden Christensen. And none of it matches with the ironclad James Earl Jones voiced character <laughs> from the original trilogy, which barely matches with the little bald old man that we meet at the end of Return of the Jedi. So we're dealing with a character that like is a, yeah. so fragmented. And I will, for fans like ourselves, Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker, the Anakin Skywalker that exists in the prequels with the brown tunic and the black armor on his shoulders, that Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader, they're not the same guy. They've never been the same guy. They will never be the same guy. We from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. When we picture Anakin Skywalker, we're picturing a guy that we pictured in 1998 when we were little kids. We are not picturing Hayden Christensen. And that's always going to be the thing for fans like us. It's a disconnect. It's an emotional disconnect. And it's not the show's fault. It's not our fault. It's just a reality of Star Wars is the most popular thing. And there's so much of it that every single person could theoretically have their own path you know, their own rules of what constitutes a Star Wars movie. And my rules are a little different than your rules, and our rules are very different than some of our friends' rules or our siblings' rule. Like, everyone has their own vision of what they want to see. And it's all just a bunch of people trying to chase the feeling they had the first time they saw the first Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, feels like the first time. <laughs> You've nailed it. And, you know, when I was a kid... And I think you felt the same way. I pictured, I always pictured Anakin as like a, well, when you're a kid, every adult is like 40 <laughs> or 50 years old. But I, I pictured like a 40, 50 year old, like quiet man who just did his job and something went awry. But now I think it would have been so fun if Anakin had been a, like a Han Solo type character. So then for Luke to basically be clashing with his dad when they meet in the first movie, like if that all had worked out that way. So if it was the Clone Wars cartoon depiction, that would have worked a lot better. But yeah, yeah, seeing him in this episode, which, oh yeah, by the way, did you know that Rosario Dawson and Hayden Christensen went to acting school together when they were like teenagers? <laughs> that sounds were, like a were joke. You, were you ready for that? That's not a joke. They, I don't know. Is she Canadian? I have no idea. I saw a video of them and they were hugging and I thought, why, like, Okay, they're just both Star Wars people. And it said they've known each other since they were like 16 years old. And they, oh. you know, she had the better well, teacher. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, they definitely both went to the same school, that's for sure. But one of them had a better instructor, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> one of anyway, them, I thought one that was them, a funny. Yeah, that is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> one of them was at the bottom of the class. One of them was at the top of the class, I would say. Yes. And uh, they're both attractive, but uh, one got there solely for that reason, I think, than the other. But yes. And then even when they do the flashback scenes with... Anakin and Ahsoka in a Clone Wars era battle. So great. That looked cool. I thought it was funny that it, how much of it was just in like dust and fog. So it's like, well, that's how you save your on your budget there. Mm -hmm. You don't have to show what's really going on. You just have a couple clone troopers, whatever, yeah. you know, you know what's going on. I get it. But she's different even in that flashback. She's yes. she's this boring version of the character and she's not snips. Yes. If they had done some I would have preferred if they did a 30-minute just purely flashback episode that was a Clone Wars story. And they yes. got this girl who was... Did you know that this... I keep hitting you up with some trivia right now. This same actress played young Gamora in the end scene in Infinity War. Think you do it? Yes. What did it cost I was about to make a joke that they got a bargain basement version of the girl that played Mora. <laughs> it's her. So it's not a bargain basement. It's, it's not a bargain basement. Yep. Her with slightly boring material. Okay. She plays yeah, beloved, she just plays beloved heroines when they were kids. <laughs> if this was an MCU deal, it would have been Matt. And it would have been Ashley Eckstein? Eccleston? Yep, that sounds right. Yep. MCU loves doing that as an Easter egg for the people that love that version of Anakin. He has a very different voice than Hayden Christensen. His voice is a lot stronger. Yes. Uh, actually, her voice, her Ahsoka voice is, that's Ahsoka's voice to me. Even as someone who's not invested in that character, Rosario Dawson has a great, she has a very nice melodic Jedi voice, but it's not Ahsoka's voice. And it's distracting when Clancy Brown, oh, we can't replace him. It's like, well, I know he has an iconic voice, but Ahsoka's voice, like that's a voice for an entire generation of kids growing up with that plucky little like masters, Anakin, like that's just, I'll never really understand the rationale about who got to get transplanted over to live action and who was just a voiceover actor. Yeah. Because all those voiceover actors, they do live action work. It's not that they're just voice actors. They do appear in things as themselves, but. We talked about uh, this in the first episode. Yeah, like, I don't really cases, the case with Sabine, unfortunately, it's like they're just completely different looking people and age. Yes. That would be my other question. I don't know enough about Ahsoka's voice actress. Matt Lanter, he would be about age. He's probably like 40 years old. And that was the, and you know, he looks like Anakin. He, like, looks, he looks like, like a he's a very handsome. It, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And with Hayden Christensen, it's like at this point, like you said, the character and the way he looks is so fractured at this point. I wouldn't have even bothered with the de-aging. He's only like 40 years old. He looks pretty darn good for his age. So just have him be like, yeah, I'm slightly older. This is me as Anakin if Darth Vader never happened. This is what I would have looked like if I were 45, 50 years old. I like just do that. Yeah. And the show didn't seem to like have made a decision about what is this? Is this Anakin if Darth right. Vader didn't happen? Or is this Darth Vader time traveling to tempt Ahsoka? Like what is this? It, like is Ahsoka the reason she's so low energy in the flashback? Like is it a flashback or is it just a force vision? I said earlier like space fantasy is good but like it can't just be nonsense like <laughs> right 
like there has to be some sort of clear the audience needs to understand and the whole concept of the world between worlds which is this star field with bridges and portals that they fight in and that started on the rebel show i don't like that at all like that's not a star wars thing that's that's doctor who stuff like keep that with david tennant that's his territory force ghosts are a thing People talk about the netherworld of the Force. Is this what is that what this is supposed to be? The netherworld of the Force? I don't want to see the netherworld of the Force. No, thank you. I don't... It just seems to be... Surprise, surprise. There's this thing that can bridge different eras, and they just use it to show you characters that you like, just like the multiverse in the MCU. You could do, theoretically, anything with it. What do they choose to do? <laughs> it's Anakin. Let's put it in theaters. I bet we'll make a couple, you know, we'll make a million bucks from a bunch of saps who go expecting to see, like, Revenge of the Sith duel, but with Ahsoka. Whatever it was, they were trying to get out of that. Well, you made a great point about episode four, where Balin is giving this really good dialogue to Ahsoka about where he's gone in his journey and how he views the world and explaining to her why she's wrong and she failed, you know, characters with different motivations clashing. Mm. Although, yeah, Sokas isn't quite clear other than like, we got to stop this, obviously. But, but why? But why? <laughs> well, Grand Admiral Thrawn is going to come back and reignite the Empire somehow. But his whole thing is that he's, Thrawn's whole thing is that he's with the Empire, but don't worry, he's not, like, evil. He's an alien, so he can't be racist. Like, he's an alien. He's not like the other Imperial officers. He's not crazy like Emperor Palpatine. He doesn't just choke people out like Darth Vader. So, I don't understand. The New Republic sucks. (laughs) They're not doing anything Well, I think that's the... (laughs) I I guess that's the idea. If that... So, this show could rally is i think what i'm trying to get to so four four really felt structured and yeah yeah, balin is explaining things to i also really liked when balin was not really fighting but with sabine trying to get the map from her oh yeah and he's not i don't think he's manipulating her i don't think it's like a classic villain i think he's telling her the truth he kind of reminds me he's not a extreme religious zealot but he reminds me of the high sparrow a little bit on game of thrones there's nothing to read into like nope. this is how i feel this is my goal and i'm not trying to manipulate you if you give that to me i'm not gonna then stab you with a lightsaber in the back yes. like i will actually not kill you like i just want yes. you to give me the fucking map and i will move on everything felt very clear during that fourth episode and then in this one right so is it anakin's like force ghost post return of the jedi trying to give ahsoka that extra oomph to return to life i guess that's what they were doing or is it like anakin from that different era who's there or is it just a figment of her imagination and what are they talking about why do they fight and why did she need to see him like what's was that supposed to represent some sort of door closing because i didn't really understand any of it and i didn't feel anything Except for the end of that episode. The very end of that episode is good. Because now we're back to, that's the whales. Yes. 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 So again, I felt a hint of a word we keep using. I I felt a hint of fun. Mm -hmm. She goes out and talks to the whales and she's excited. And it's like, this is something different. What's going to happen? I don't know. I'm a little nervous, but like nervous energy. And she's smiling and the story kind of regained its focus. Okay, now we need to go to this other universe, and this is how we're going to get there. We're going to go in the mouth of a whale. Like, 
that's wacky shit, but it's fun. Yes. So I was on board with that, but the whole psychobabble and whatever fantasy world that that was all, it just did nothing for me. Again, if Hayden Christensen's having his moment, more power to him, but I found it very narratively distracting and I felt no, I felt nothing. Yeah. It's just like a waste of time. Like what lesson did Ahsoka learn? That's what I, yeah. What lesson was imparted? It, was it believing yourself? Okay, that's that's literally that's all Star Wars is. It's just a man, just a boomer in the seventies saying, "Oh, I think kids should believe in themselves." <laughs> that's that's all it's ever been. Classic <laughs> hero's journey stuff. That's all. It just executed extremely yeah. well in the first trilogy, unbelievably he, well. He's living at this moment in time and in, and in history, and and he wants to make a, a sort of simple fairy tale storybook saga about a father and a son and the power of believing in yourself so anytime they try to add to that they just make it you're just doing it but less less good (laughs) it just sounds like platitudes it's just Mm -hmm. you have to fight you have to keep fighting there's that scene when ahsoka in the flashback is like i don't like that we're doing this and anakin's like yeah me me neither anyway (laughs) let's like let's just keep going and it's like you can make a whole show about that, but instead you're just throwing it in the middle of this other show. But, oh, look, it's Captain Rex, so shut up. Look, it's, it's Captain Rex, but it's it's real Captain Rex. It's not cartoon Captain Rex. It's real cartoon Anakin, not cartoon cartoon Anakin. That was one of the only coherent things in that whole flashback Anakin stuff that it, it almost felt like, a, uh, like how all the post-Man of Steel movies in the DCU are like, We have to make a conscious point to go out of the city because we do care about people and dying and all of that, where that felt like a quick like, hey, just wanted to check in regarding those Clone Wars that happened. We've never had this conversation on screen, but did it bother you that millions and millions of people and clones died? It wasn't a bad exchange, but like you said, it felt very out of place for the show. It's like, what? how is this? Is this like representing she still has demons and nightmares of all the death and carnage she saw during the clone wars if so that has not been even really hinted at in the previous four episodes so no yeah she doesn't seem any different when she comes out of this this magic that that too that too she did before she just still has the same mission she's had we have to go there we have to stop thrawn from coming back why his name is Grand Admiral Thrawn. No one good has a name like that. We have to get Ezra, potentially. It's kind of clear what Balin and his apprentice and the witch are after, but at the same time, it's this whole thing that so many shows now have of mystery, of what, mystery is, this show, what is this show really about? It's like, just tell me what it's about. <laughs> well, and, and I, and I think I, I started making this point earlier. If the ultimate goal is... Grand Admiral Thrawn, we're going to get him because the New Republic is a bureaucratic nightmare, inefficient, and they're not getting anything done. And we prefer the efficiency of the Empire, though not how genocidal and wacky it got with that Palpatine guy. (laughs) So if that's the like angle, the pitch, and Grand Admiral Thrawn is going to show up and say, no, 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 we need that order. But But that order... Without Sith shenanigans. Without Sith shenanigans, without anti-alien racism it's just gonna be we're gonna have a little bit more of a structured ordered militaristic government but it's not gonna be outright oppressive 
if that's what they're kind of getting at, then it's, but then that's also a little less fun too. When it's like, Hey, I might be on this guy's side. (laughs) Yeah. Thrawn's a really cool character. And those books are a lot of fun. Both the books from the nineties, the original Thrawn trilogy and the new Thrawn trilogy that Timmy, I mean, he's written like six books about, he's written a ton of books about Thrawn. Thrawn's a great character. However, the empire isn't really like supposed to be a, an actual military organization. It's just the evil empire. <laughs> They're dressed like that because George Lucas wants you to explicitly connect them with Nazis. Like that's why they look like that. I don't know what the little orange and red and blue, I don't know what, which one's a colonel and which one's an admiral. It's not supposed to actually be a believable <laughs> practical military organization. And that's what Thrawn is. Thrawn is like that kind of guy has existed in armies throughout history. But I don't want that in Star Wars. I want white armored stormtroopers, British Nazis, and a big Darth Vader, and the wacky Emperor. <laughs> I don't want to hear this like Sherlock Holmes-esque alien talking about yeah. tactics and studying the art of cultures so that you can understand them. I just want to watch Julian Glover say, blow up the shield generator <laughs> in his big Nazi helmet. Totally fair. <laughs> so at the root of that, if that's where the show is going, then it's going to continue to be a miss for you. And I, yes. and I get it. I get it. It's, this is not a slam dunk for me by any means. I'm very like, it's like a two and a half out of four stars. I would say so far, it's had some good moments. There's some promise, but yeah, it's been slow and not as exciting or fun as Mandalorian, even the book of Boba Fett. And of course, and or I know they're like doing different things, but they're just doing it very successfully. And this one is a bit of a miss so far. I think it's Filoni struggling a bit with being in this era, being live action, but then insisting on using his characters that he loves and that he knows that fans have loved, but he's just not like incorporating them well in this time. So I don't know. He's an extremely loyal apprentice to his master, Mm -hmm. and his master is an extremely imaginative man who has no idea how to put a movie together. (laughs) Yeah. And Star Wars television is supposed to, each episode, they want it to feel like a movie, and that's who Filonia learned from. He learned from... He learned from the best, and we're seeing the results of that. This feels like a show from a guy who has spent most of his career studying under George Lucas and sucking up to George Lucas. And that's what this show feels like. And as someone who likes George Lucas, who if I met George Lucas, I would shake his hand and say, thank you so much. I love Star Wars. I also think he's a complete hack fraud who is the luckiest man in showbiz. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. It's very true. Well, We'll see what these final three episodes bring. We'll check back in shortly after that finale airs. We'll see if Danny is completely regretful or if he's come around a bit. And if I'm about status quo, I don't know. Yeah, this is definitely the biggest iffy show so far. So we'll see where we go in a couple weeks. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. I don't want to sell you death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life.